morning, everybody. Good morning. Let's worship together. Would you stand and sing with us, please? today. My name is Jesse Spina and I am the Director of Christian Education here at Holotus Hills UMC. I also have the privilege of leading you all in worship today as Pastor Cheryl returns from annual conference and begins a two-week vacation. We will have um, leaders from our church help lead us in the worship while she is gone. If you are a guest today, we ask that you fill out one of the blue slips that's in the back of your pew pockets. Those allow us to get to know you a little bit better and allow us to know where people are coming from to find us here and to reach out and to say hello. We promise we won't send you a million emails. Nobody has time for that. But we just want to know who you are. If you have prayer requests to lift up today, we ask that you fill out a yellow sheet 
That ensures that your prayer request goes directly from you to our prayer team for them to pray over wholeheartedly and with enthusiasm, and there's no middleman between your prayer request and the prayer team. We ask that you drop them in the offering plate as it goes by today. Um, we have some announcements on the back of the bulletin, if you can check through those. Of course, most of them are about Vacation Bible School because it is coming up very quickly. We are still looking for volunteers for that to help lead the children through. I promise you it is a very rewarding, rewarding experience. I make sure it's fun. I make sure you get fed every day for volunteering. And uh, there is a lot that every person can give to VBS, whether you are here the week of or you're supporting us through your thoughts and prayers and donations beforehand. So please check out the back of your bulletin. Thank you, Ms. Holly. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Holly Kundrock, and it's good to be in worship with you this morning. We light these candles as we begin worship to symbolize Christ's presence with us. Will you stand, please, in body or spirit as we welcome the light of Christ? Our Bible verse today is from Hebrews, page 1096 in your pew Bible. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, He did, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made this promise. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the gift of faith given from you, God. Give us eyes of faith to see the holy amidst amidst the ordinary. Help us to share in the faith of all believers from days past until the end of all days. Guide us in true faith as we live for you day by day. O loving Lord, accept now our worship and praise as an act of faith and love for you. Amen.
Thank you, Praise Band, for leading us in worship. At this time, we want to invite the kiddos forward for their spark moment. Before we head on out to spark worship, or before you all head out into spark worship. Yeah. So, this summer, we've decided that the children's ministry is going to go back to basics. And by that, we mean that we're going to learn the big Bible stories in the Old Testament this summer. Does that sound good to you guys? Because if we don't know the big stories, it's hard to understand the details of the little stories. And so this Sunday, we're going to be starting with a creation story. Do you guys know the creation story? Yes. Yeah? How did, it, how did the creation story go? Can you not say? God spoke and bang, right? There was creation. How many days did it take? How about we say that? Seven days? Six days, and then he rested on the seventh day. That is correct. So we know from Genesis that God created the earth in six days. What we don't know is how long exactly those six days were because our concept of time and God's concept of time could be wholly different, right? But in six different steps, he created the world, and he looked at it, and he said, it is good. He created creation for good out of love. And I think that is something that is core to who we are as Christians. And we're going to study that as we go into this place. And we're going to look at what did he do on day seven. He took a nap. He rested. He set a day aside to rest. And he has called us to do the same. And that is why we come here on Sunday morning to worship. And Sunday is supposed to be held as a holy day for rest. So creation, the creation story is more than just telling us how everything came to be. It is telling us also what we should do as Christians. And you guys are going to learn about that today. And we're going to have lots of fun singing and dancing in Spark Worship. Hi, Hudson. I've missed you. And we're going to, um, we're going to do a couple of crafts. You guys are going to play some creation games and hang out with Miss Jenny. Does that sound good? Yes, it sounds great. Let's all say a prayer. Can you bow your heads, fold your hands, close your eyes, and let's talk to God. Say, Dear God, thank you for your beautiful creation that gives us everything we need. Help us to take care of it. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, you're going to go out the back with Miss Jenny. Wait for Miss Jenny at the back. All right, as those kiddos leave, as those kiddos leave, let us join together in the prayers of the people. If you have not filled out your yellow card, but you have a prayer that you'd like to lift up, I ask that you do that now. It allows our prayer team to pray exactly for what you are asking prayers for. And it is a wonderful thing. JB's nodding because he leads the prayer team. And believe me, I'm sure it is very convenient and very good for the prayer team to hear directly from our congregation what it is that needs prayers, instead of from what we can scrawl up here as prayers are being called out. So we ask that you drop those in the offering plate as it comes by, but now let us join together in prayer. Please pray with me. Lord, we pray for the people of this congregation, for those gathered here today, for those who are away, Father. We ask that you bless each and every one of them according to your will. We pray for those who suffer and who are in trouble. We ask that they receive your comfort and love. We pray that they rest in the knowledge that you are always with them. For the concerns of this local community, Father, we lift up those who have been affected by violence this past week. 
both here in our own country and abroad, Lord, we, the articles keep coming in. And we ask that you provide them the peace that only comes from knowing you. For the world, all of its people, and all of its leaders, may they all look to you for guidance and truth. For the earth that you have given us into our care, Father, we ask that you help us care for your creation the way that you care for us. May we hold it as a beautiful and pure work of your goodwill. For the Church Universal, its leaders, its members, and its mission, allow us to all lean into the example of love that you have given us and share it with the world. We pray this in communion with the saints and all of those who have gone before us. Father, forgive us when we fail to seek you as we try to run the world our own way. O oh Lord, we ask for your continued love and care. We are truly grateful for your presence in every part of our life. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, as we pray the prayer he taught his disciples say, to say, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. All right. Our, new, our Old Testament reading comes to us today from Psalm 33, verses uh, 1 through 12. I'll be reading to you from the New Living Translation, but you can follow along on page 496 of your Pew Bible. Hear now the word of the Lord. Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for him on the ten-stringed harp. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy, for the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. He loves whatever is good and just. The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord, and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. The Lord frustrates the plans of the nations and thwarts all of their schemes. But the Lord's plans stand forever. His intentions can never be shaken. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you all be in prayer with me and for me before we begin the sermon today? Dear God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So I have to admit to you all, as I was preparing for this Sunday, I had a complete and total mental block on what it is that I was supposed to come up here and say for an entire sermon, let alone like a children's sermon. And, and I really struggled to find inspiration in scripture. And I have learned over the years of teaching the kiddos that when that happens, it's usually because I'm asking the wrong question. I'm asking, God, is it, what is it that you want me to teach this Sunday, rather than, God, what is it that I need to learn this Sunday? And when I finally got over my stubborn self and asked what it is I needed to learn, the words of Psalm 33 started to play over and over in my head, particularly the words about the creation story and how 
this impossible thing came to be. And along with it, some of my favorite hymns and songs started to play in there. Have you guys noticed that songs and hymns about creation, we, send, we sing them with more conviction. Has anybody ever noticed that? Think of the words of How Great Thou Art, one of my favorite hymns of all time. It starts off saying, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. If you're like me, by the time you sing the words, then sings my soul, my Savior God to me, your soul is singing. It just lifts you up. That song has power to it. But maybe you don't like the old songs. Maybe you like the new ones. We tend to sing God of Wonders here fairly often, right? And that starts off, Lord of all creation, of water, earth, and sky, the heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to God on high. Or indescribable, uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing God. I know from sitting in the front pew for the past five years that when we play these songs, when the praise band leads us in them, the congregation sings louder. And I guarantee they can all agree with me. You all sing louder. You sing with gusto. You have joy in your voices. And I think it's because creation, that creation story and the belief in it, is what is core to being a Christian. Whether you are a Christian from a Methodist church or from any of the other denominations out there, we all believe that God was the catalyst for creation, right? We can believe that the earth is 6,000 years old, or we can believe in the Big Bang Theory that God spoke and it happened and the earth is billions of years old. But either way, God was the catalyst. He made it happen. We don't debate that. God was there in the beginning. And so it's something that we can all join together in and have conviction in in our lives. And we see that proof not only in creation around us, but we can see it in humanity. Have you all ever looked at the different races and cultures on earth? There are so many different skin tones and eye colors and hair colors, facial structures, ways of living, ways of speaking, cultures and religions. And yet, God tells us we were all made in his image. How is it that we are wholly unique? and completely and totally the same because we were made in his image. Those things should be entirely impossible. But in God, they became true and they became possible. If you've grown up in the church, if you've attended for a long time, you probably believe the Bible stories of old, right? They're not fables to us. We believe that God parted the Red Sea and pulled the Israelites out of Egypt, right? It's not just a, it's not just a parable. He did that. He split the sea and they walked on dry land. That should be impossible. We believe that by having an army march around these walls of Jericho that could not be defeated, and by cheering, God had them come crashing down. We believe that God helped a child face a giant to stop a war. I don't know about you all, but that is part of who I am. I believe that those stories are true and that God did those impossible things. And in my own life, I have seen proof of God of the impossible. I come from two generations of couples who were told that they would never have kids. And in 1954, when my grandparents were told they would never have a family of their own, they turned to adoption. And through the miracle of adoption and the grace of God, they adopted my mother. And they became this whole, beautiful, complete unit, this family that God had brought together. The impossible was made possible. And then 1984, my parents were told the exact same thing. You will never have kids of your own. You will not have a family. So they then did the same thing and turned to adoption. And they adopted my older brother. 
And here is a beautiful family that is whole and pure in God, brought together by him. But wouldn't you know, he didn't stop there that time. Two years later, I came along, and I surprised my parents. I was that miracle, but that miracle had a catch. In the late 1980s, I was born exactly one month early when my lungs were not developed yet. And at that time, it wasn't a simple thing for a child to get through outside of their mother's womb. It took a lot of equipment and technology that was just being developed. And so typically in the area I grew up in, kids would be helicoptered out to bigger hospitals with more technology, more know-how, more staff to take care of them. But just a few days before I was born, a brand new neonatal intensive care unit, NICU unit, opened in our local hospital. And guess who got to test out all of that equipment? I got to be the guinea pig for all of the kids who came after me. And by the grace of God and the knowledge of the staff there, I survived and I thrived. The impossible was made possible again. And just a few short years later, my little brother made an appearance. And my mom said, thank you, God. No more blessings. I am done. I've got my family. I appreciate you. But he came into this world as a beautiful baby boy. And we were a loud, rambunctious family of five. And everything was good and pure until he was about two years old, and then it became very apparent that he had a lot of medical problems that were lying under the surface. They weren't apparent to anybody on the outside. You couldn't see them by looking at him, but they were challenges and struggles that our family walked through every single day and that he had to face as a toddler every single day. Before he entered kindergarten, my parents were told that he probably would not make it to adulthood probably would not make it. There was a very slim chance because there's so much going on in his life. And I am very happy to say that 30 some odd years later, he is still annoying the daylights out of me on a regular basis. God made the impossible happen again, and he is thriving in life. I have all of this proof in my life. I have these convictions that God can do things that humans cannot do. And yet when I hear stories like the faith of Abraham that Miss Holly led to us earlier, I feel like my faith is lacking. I feel like I can't trust in those things. You see, we meet Abraham, and he is about 75 years old. We don't know him when he is young. But he's about 75 years old, and he has been called by God, and he has been given a guarantee that his descendants will outnumber the stars in the sky at 75 years old. If you have had troubles with fertility, you know that around your late 20s, women, Doctors start telling you that you need to get the ball rolling, right? So at 75, here's a man and his wife. She's a couple years younger, and they're told, you're going to have kids. Get ready. And by faith, Abraham believed in that promise. And then God calls Abraham to pick up his entire family, everybody he loves, everybody he knows, and to move them. But he doesn't tell them where they're going. He just says, get up and go. And by faith, we're told Abraham goes. And about 20 years later, finally, that child arrives. Baby Isaac is finally granted to Abraham and to his wife, Sarah. And by faith, they receive that blessing. And then we find out as we read farther along, just a short while after that, Isaac is maybe in his mid-teens. God calls on Abraham to sacrifice his child to prove his faith to God. And Abraham takes this baby boy, this long-awaited promise, this perfect bundle of love that he waited so long for that whole and complete family, and he takes him up to a mountaintop and prepares the sacrificial fire. And just before the knife hits his son, God stops Abraham 
and provides a ram to be sacrificed and said. We are told that by faith, Abraham did all of those things. He trusted in God's plan. So why is it when Abraham was dealing with these big, giant things? I've never been asked to move to a land where I'm a complete and total stranger and know nobody. I have never been asked to sacrifice my child. But in my modern day life, with all of its conveniences, I have difficulty trusting God. Why can't I trust God like Abraham did? And I think this is what God wanted me to learn this week, and maybe somebody else out here will learn as well, right along with me. You see, when I started to look into Abraham's story more, and I read it directly from Genesis, I started to see more. In children's ministry, we teach the bullet points, right? The big parts of the story. But we don't get to get down into the little details, and we miss the forest for the trees. If you read Abraham's story, it is full of humanity. He is not some superhuman giant. In his story, he questions God. He is fearful of the situations he is in. And he outright doubts. We're told that Abraham falls on the floor laughing when he is told that his wife will conceive and he is 100 years old. He falls on the floor laughing, saying, God, how can that be? She's in her mid-80s. How can that be? And when I look at that, I wonder, why has he become the giant that he is of our faith? Why is he included in that faithful hall of frame in Hebrews chapter 11? And what I have come to from this is that Abraham's faith is based in obedience. It is fully human. He questions God, and he goes directly to God with those questions. But he is still obedient to God and everything. His faith is based in the hope that God's promises will endure because God has proven it to him time and time again. And his faith is active. It is living and is a part of his daily life. And so if I am looking at Abraham's faith and I want to mimic it, if I want to have faith like Abraham, what can I do to live like Abraham? And this is what I have found. Knowing the scriptures, being in God's word, and we have a huge leg up on Abraham on this, right? We can access our Bible anytime we want to on our smartphones. Anytime we want to, we can be in God's word. And we have more scripture to access than Abraham did. He didn't have the New Testament to rely on. He had the very old scriptures to rely on of God's promises. But we can be in God's word and we can know God's word because in knowing God's word, we know God's truth. And when we are doubting, like Abraham doubted, we can take a cue from him and lean into God. When he questioned, he didn't look for outside sources to answer his question. He questioned God directly. God, how? God, why? God, what am I supposed to do? He wasn't challenging God. He was asking for direction. And we can keep the disciplines of our faith. They're listed all throughout the Bible, but Jesus sums them up really easy for us, right? There's two big ones, love God first, keep God first, right? And love others. Those sum up the Ten Commandments. But Jesus goes on to remind us that forgiveness is key to being a Christian. To both ask and give forgiveness and repentance. When we separate ourselves from God, when we make choices that we know that he did not approve of, that separated us from him, to go to him and say, I am sorry, God, I messed up. Help me get back on track. And if we live those disciplines every single day, if they become second nature to us, that obedience that Abraham shows us would come second nature also, would it not? We wouldn't be questioning. I wouldn't be questioning. 
I know I turn to the scriptures when I need to, but I don't turn to the scriptures every single day. I turn to them when I have a crisis. If I am in them every single day, truly in them, and not just reading my word for the day on Facebook or on my map, you know, if I'm truly in them and contemplating them every day, I will lean into that truth. Because without God's word and without God's truth, faith is just wishful thinking. It's not actually faith. And so I believe that faith is based in conviction. In base, based in conviction, it's not blind. It's real. It's true. And I would like to leave you today with the words of the NIV Grace and Truth Study Bible. When talking about faith, particularly about uh, Abraham's faith, it said, Faith is not merely an intellectual category. It is a state of being, a conviction that sustains the life of the believer. If we are based in God's truth, based in God's word, and we believe because of it, it's not a blind faith. It is a real faith. It is a faith that can become obedient the way Abraham is obedient. And we can all have faith like Abraham and join that faithful hall of fame. Amen. I'd like to invite everyone here today to exercise faith like Abraham's, faith based in obedience as we go out into the world and complete our mission statement. Will you all recite it together with me? The mission statement of Los Hills United Methodist Church is to grow and nurture disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Amen. We can all do that. I pray that we all go out here from this place with the faith of Abraham. Faith that's not without its humanity, but that is full of the knowledge and experience of the Lord of the impossible. We all know him. But I pray that it's also full of obedience to him. Because that's the kicker, isn't it? We like to do our own thing. We don't like to listen and follow directions. At least I don't. I work with kids. <laughs> As we go, I pray this for all of us. May the strength of God guide us. May the wisdom of God instruct us. May the hand of God protect us. And may the word of God direct us. Be always ours this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.